Mac Power Users, episode 662, Navigating Apple Maps. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined as always by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. Hello, Stephen. How are you today? I'm good, David. How are you? Oh, man, I am great. I'm just great. I don't have to deal with contractors. I'm <laughs> I'm in my new space. I'm a, I think I'm in a honeymoon here, gang. I'm just loving it. That's that's awesome. Uh well, we've got one of our sort of deep dive episodes this week, uh getting into Apple Maps and I think both of us realized there's a lot more to this application and service than we thought, so it'll be a lot of fun putting this together and looking forward to uh exploring Apple Maps. Yeah, I know I like I like the title navigating Apple Maps, man. That really nails it, right? Yeah, it, it struck me this weekend as like that's what we should call this uh call this episode. Look, there's gonna be yeah. a lot of puns, probably, you know? We can't yeah. can't help it. Well, let's get from point A to point B. <laughs> the um <laughs> I, I really think that Apple Maps has a uh has an assorted history. In fact, we're gonna talk about that today on more power users, the the troubled launch of Apple Maps because yeah. And it's one of those things where, you know, the, the old rule stands. If you have a bad launch, it is really hard to recover from that. I mean, there there's a lot of good reasons why people don't launch things right away. <laughs> because, mm-hmm. you know, once that perception is out there, it is really hard to get over it. And uh, I was just talking to a couple non-nerd friends recently as we've been kind of prepping the show about, Hey, wh- which one do you use? And I'll say, well, you know, and they all say Google. And I'll say, why? Well, the, you know, I heard Apple Maps sucks, you know. And I think that was like a perception, an accurate perception for a while. In fact, like I said, on more power users, we're gonna we're gonna go into that. I want I want to go through that that launch because it first of all, it's kind of funny in hindsight. Uh, it's funny how it became a cultural thing, and it certainly had repercussions at Apple. So uh, there's a lot to talk about. So we're gonna make them more power users today, but. It is an app that has a little bit of a sordid history, but I would ask you if you are like my friends who say, well, Google, because Apple Maps sucks, I would like you to set that that bias aside because um, I don't think that is true anymore, and uh, we're going to make the case here. Yeah, I think that's well said. Uh, having used both heavily in preparation for this, um, Apple Maps definitely has has come a long way. I would say right off the bat, it's important to know that things like map data and certain features within the Maps application are obviously highly dependent on your location, right? So even within the U.S., there are some cities that have certain things that other cities don't. And when you get outside the U.S., the discrepancies can be even wider. I know early on in Apple Maps, it was pretty well known that if you were in the Bay Area, or in California, the directions in turn-by-turn were great. And if you weren't, they weren't as good. And even now, you know, I live in a city, but I can be in very rural areas very quickly out from my city. There's even some discrepancy there between how much accuracy and detail you see in a city versus out in the country. So just keep that in mind. Um, I'm going to have a link in the show notes. Apple has a webpage outlining which countries get which features. And there's also a really good uh, thing over on Wikipedia, also walking through the feature availability 
So if you if we're talking about something and you think, oh, I've never seen that in Apple Maps, uh, check these links because it may be that it's actually not available to you. And that's uh, that's a little bit of a strange thing about uh, about Apple Maps. It's important to remember, I think. Yeah. And, you know, they, they definitely are putting effort into it. I mean, every year we get updates with iOS 16. We got several new things with Apple Maps. Um, and I think they realize how important it is. Um, you know, the uh, when the iPhone initially launched, it had Google Maps and um, there was disputes. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. But the um, there were disputes and there are different priorities between Google and Apple and Apple had to go out on their own. So, you know, this is an evolution, but I don't know. I, I just feel like it's been generally pretty good. Uh, that being said, I, I live in California. Um, generally, when I travel, I travel to fancy cities where they're pretty good. I I haven't found really much of a problem. That was one of the things I was thinking about as we decided to do the show. Well, when's the last time I had Apple Maps fail me? And it was several years ago. I was down in Laguna Beach, which is a little uh, sleepy community down here in Orange County. And it just could not figure out. There was like a restaurant we were going to that was really off the beaten path. It could not figure it out. And I'm like, oh, great. Apple Maps failed. Now I can load Google. And that could be a blog post about how Google got it right, you know. And Google made the same mistake. (laughs) (laughs) They were apparently both using the same data or something, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) In fact, did you know that they are um, that they put false flags in map data? Have you ever heard of this before? No. I'm going to put a, a link to a funny YouTube video about this. But uh, a lot of these map companies, this goes back a long time, will put fake streets and addresses in their map data as a way to track people who steal their data. This is I the oldest version of this is in maps that I'm aware of, and. I mean, this goes way before computers. Like they would, because it was so much work to go and like map out New York City, right? Uh, so um, they would put like a little fake street somewhere. Hmm. And then if you copied their map and you'd say, well, I did the work too. And I, you know, I didn't copy you. I uh, I just did my own research. And they're like, yeah, but if you look down here, you see there's Muffler Street. Well, Muffler Street doesn't exist. I added it here, you know, and and that was a way to track people down. When I was doing legal work, um, I had software developers that would do that in code. They would bury, you know, like a John F. Kennedy quote in the middle of their code. And then if someone stole their code, you'd find it because there's no other reason to have that quote there. Hmm. So, you know, just it's a, it's a funny thing. And uh, But Apple has, you know, obviously done the right licensing and done their homework. And they have their own. And this isn't really accusing anybody of anything. But I do think it's kind of a funny, interesting point. Yeah, I'm going to have some some links in the show notes talking about some of the changes they've made. Uh, pretty famously in 2018, they said we're, we're going to rebuild maps from the ground up. And if you've lived in the U.S., you've now seen those changes. Uh, I'm also going to have a link to Justin O'Burney's site. Justin is what I would call an Apple Maps historian. <laughs> he has these <laughs> amazing side-by-sides where yeah. you can compare old and new Apple maps data you know it it's it's hard to even know how to talk about this because it is on one hand an application or a set of applications across apple's platforms but apple maps is just as much a service as it is an application maybe even more so and apple has been really hard at work over the years to make it more accurate make it more reliable 
and to bring uh, features along that, in some cases, others have had first. In other cases, Apple's been first. But to make it a more rich experience, and I don't think anyone could look at this and say that Apple doesn't care about its maps or isn't taking it seriously. There's a huge group of people who work on this within Apple to make sure it's as good as it could be. Yeah, exactly. And this isn't a um, a judgment thing, right? I, I guess I, I favor Apple Maps, I, and we're going to get into that. But if you're listening to this and you really dig Google Maps or some other map system, go, you know, go do it. I don't, we don't really care, you know, use the one that works for you. Um, <laughs> But the uh, but I I do think that like I said enough people haven't really given Apple Maps a chance to really understand you know it is pretty pretty useful and they do have some pretty cool features in it and I guess for the folks listening that are using Apple Maps our goal today is to turn you on to at least one or two new features that you're not using because um, one of the reasons I wanted to make the show is I wanted to get better at Apple Maps you know mm-hmm. I I was using it for the basics. I knew there were all these new features over the years that had been accumulated. I'd never really stopped to like add them up and figure out how they work. And that's one of the reasons I like to do shows on Mac power users is I get to learn stuff too. So uh, we got a lot to cover today. I guess we should just get into it. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about some of the, the basic mapping features uh, within this application and right off the bat. And I think something that uh, is basically table stakes is multiple map views right so you have the normal view in in apple maps everything's vector based so it loads really quickly that was a big deal when they announced it there's light and dark modes and this is this is what you see most of the time in apple maps i think for most people where it's a rendering of what's available and you can see a bunch of points of interest depending on how far you're zoomed in Uh, and for me it's the view that i use the most often i think satellite view is interesting but maybe not as useful for the way that that I think about maps. Uh, what about you? Are you a big satellite user? You, you go poking around, see what buildings look like from the sky? Um, I do that, yes. Uh, but um, I also default to the normal graphics view, the vector graphics view. Uh, it, you know, it depends. I use maps for a lot of different things. Um, sometimes I'll use a map to, like, if I'm going someplace and I've never been there before, going into satellite view, and even some of the other views we're going to talk about later, uh, it can really help me kind of like get the lay of the land. So when mm-hmm. I get there and know what I'm doing, uh, which you don't get with just, you know, a line on a background. Uh, but just in general, I do think it's worth talking about Apple's normal view or vector graphic view. Um, I actually really like the way it's done. It, it's got definitely what I would call an Apple aesthetic to it. It's not overly busy. Um, the stuff appears uh, based on your level of zoom. So, you know, if you if you want, you know, when you zoom out, it's it's very basic. But as you zoom in, it gets more and more detailed. Um, you're not old enough, probably. When when you first started driving, did you already have uh, like digital navigators, or did you start driving with maps? Yeah, I mean maps. Uh, okay. There were. So I started driving in two thousand and two. I guess, okay. and there I were some you're like old guy. Wow, you're old. Man. Yeah, no. Uh, there were some yeah. people who had like uh, GPS. I guess that was kind of becoming a thing. But you know, I also like I've lived here my whole life, so I basically know where everything is. Uh, but I 100% remember. You know, my parents are both in the construction business, and they would have those big, 
you know, I guess like spiral bound maps, right? That you could open flat to a single page and you go to the table of contents and figure out where you need to go. Um, and so I definitely was fully aware of how this worked before, but boy, my kids sure don't, right? <laughs> They're living yeah. in a world where we both have CarPlay in our cars and use Apple Maps all the time. Yeah, the um, in Southern California, they were called Thomas Guides. And I don't know how big that company was, whether they were, you know, every, in other states. But that was the thing in my family is when you got your license, my dad would buy you a little plastic bin and put Thomas Guides in for all the local counties, you know. Mm-hmm. And we all had it in our trunk. And used it all the time, you know, because that's how you, that's how you got to places. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so it, it really is, that's kind of, why I grew up with a, without the ability to have a satellite view. So I, I kind of like the view that being said, the, the thing I appreciate about Apple maps and also Google and these other third parties is the way the map, uh, progressively discloses data to you. Cause having grown up with those detailed maps, that was the only view, you know, you couldn't pinch the paper. And, ha- and get a more global view. <laughs> you had to turn to page 72. Right. And uh, so it, it's just <laughs> nice, you know, uh, being able to, to see that uh, and then go between them. Apple also has a couple views, like they have the satellite view. Uh, and I guess I would say on the satellite view, the photography is very good. I mean, it's really evolved a lot over the last decade. Yeah. Um, I used to do that with legal cases where I would take satellite shots of like if we were doing a case about a piece of property. I would do those in the, the um, you know, I'd put them in the opening statements and whatnot so the jury could get an idea of what we're talking about. But now they've got this great thing where you can take two fingers and you can scroll it and it pans down to three-dimensional view. And uh, I find that just fascinating. You know, it, it just really gives you a, a perspective. of And, and it also, because where I live, we have a lot of hills and mountains. It also shows you, you know, the height and the altitude adjustments and you see things on the hill the other thing they've done with that 3d view uh, is they have this is an artificial intelligence thing Um, they have started to render objects in three dimensions so when you pan it and tilt it up you get to see the three dimensions Um, and it's kind of on a there's two ways they're doing it Uh, the first thing they do is they will hand render something like a famous place you know the disneyland castle yeah. Um, you know, is rendered and like, you know, places that, you know, are of note, you'll see that way. And it, it is kind of fun to look at them that way. But for most places, like my house is rendered, but they didn't send an artist out here to render my house. Right. In fact, they put my shed on my house because I built a little shed. And if you look at it, it looks like the shed is part of the house. <laughs> Although I'm a little disappointed as I look at it, indoor studios has not been added. I mean, I don't know why. Yeah. Come on. It's, been, only, it's been there for, three weeks two weeks yeah i mean come on but (laughs) yeah but so so what i guess they're doing is they're they're using artificial intelligence to figure out the general outline of a of a house and then and you know go vertical with it um but the interesting thing on that is it works not only in the normal view but it also works in satellite view and like when you look at like a shopping center and you scroll around it you can see the four faces of the buildings which is kind of nice yeah here they the pyramid that we have here in Memphis is has this okay. 3D render and I'll send you a screenshot of it. It they give I, this is my favorite example that I've seen because it really shows you kind of what they're doing here and it's uh it's pretty interesting to to see it because you you also see it and we'll talk about CarPlay but you see these in 
CarPlay, like in the navigation and stuff too. And it does give you some context of, of where you are. And I think it's pretty cool. At first I thought it was a little gimmicky, but having used it in navigation, like especially if you're in a city, it just gives you another way to kind of locate yourself. Like, okay, I'm looking for the building that looks like this. And you look out the window and, and there it is. Yeah. Yeah. So now is the pyramid you sent me, it has what I would call, um, I believe an Inca style where they're, they're stair stepped. Yeah. But the, the actual pyramid is probably flat side. It's, right? it's smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that, and that just kind of shows the underlying technology. how it's, working. Mm-hmm. it's figuring out how tall you are and then adjusting as it goes up. And I think a lot of this stuff is done um, by the computers. I mean, there's no way when you look at how prevalent it is now that they could have done that manually. Right. And, uh, but it's, it's cool. And uh, it does give you some context and, you know, it's a nice view. I, I, uh, I like that Apple, you know, it just shows that they're putting money and effort into, into making this work. Definitely. So uh, you tilt it to work with it. Um, I, I do think combining satellite view with 3D view can be really helpful. Like I was talking about earlier, sometimes when I'm heading into a location I haven't been before, I'll do that. And uh, particularly on the, um, on the Mac or the iPad. And we didn't mention that, but this works on more than the phone. Obviously, it works on all three Apple devices. It even works on your watch. But the uh, I actually find, and we're going to do a sec- segment on this later, but I find Apple Maps on the Mac is hugely useful. And um, I I open that app all the time. Yeah, and iCloud keeps it all joined together. So if you search for something on your phone, in the car, and then you're later on your iPad at all, it all stays together, which is which is really nice. Going back to the views a little bit, there are some other methods to to view data within maps. So you have uh, look around, which is very similar to Google Street View, right? So it kind of puts you down on the street and you can pan around and like see what the front of the buildings look like. Uh, again, not available everywhere. You get a little uh, icon with binoculars that lights up when it's available to you. Uh, I haven't found it anywhere <laughs> in Memphis, but I've used it, you know, looking around other cities. And if you've used Street View on Google, it's very similar. And I find this to be really useful if you're going to a building or a house you're not familiar with. Just take a peek beforehand, and it it makes it easier to uh, easier to recognize once you're there in real life. Yeah, I was comparing this to Google Street View over the weekend, and my general impression is that Google Street View is way more present. You know, they've been sending those cars around for a long time, yeah. so they have more data. Um, although I think that the Apple's um, look around is smoother animation. It's like it just is more, for whatever reason, that the way they've stitched it together, moving around is easier. Google Street View feels kind of jerky to me. Um, you know, herky jerky kind of mm-hmm. like it stops, and whereas this is seems smoother, but um, uh, you're you're going to get more locations with Google. Uh, we also didn't mention they have a transit view map, which is another way to look at data, and so you can get the map not only just as your normal view, but you can get it with transit outlining the main like buses, railways, you know, local transit stuff, and. If you like live in a big city and you use a uh, uh, local transit or public transit a lot, this is a really useful view. Yeah. When I was in London 
several years ago for uh, the Hurley wedding, we used it to get around on the tube, right? Because we had not been to London before, and it was very helpful to uh, to see, okay, I need to go on this side of the station and be on, you know, this platform at this time. And it really was easy. We didn't have any errors, you know, caused by maps. The errors we made were because we, like, oh, we've... Uh, We've been here before. We know what we're doing. And of course, then we we didn't and got it wrong. Uh, again, something that's not available everywhere, but something where it is, it seems to be uh, seems to be pretty good. And they've doing they were doing a lot again with the the 3D visualization to make it more familiar once you're in the space that you can see, OK, this is where uh, this is where I am. This is where I want to go. I remember what this looked like. It's pretty cool. And then another view they've got is flyover, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, it's a fun trick. It, it's like something you see in keynotes, uh, but you can see a city from above. Uh, I guess Apple is getting drones or airplanes and just flying over a city. This would be kind of fun, like I said, if you're going into a city for the first time, but it has very limited use. I honestly, other than just checking the feature out, I've never used it like in practice. Same. This is something that they've had since the very beginning. And as we'll talk about in more power users, something that was really the heart of a lot of the problems. But it is cool. And you, they do shoot in with drones and helicopters and stuff. And you can spin around the city. But I agree with you. This one feels more like a novelty than than almost any of the others. Maybe it was on a whiteboard and said, oh, let's do that. And and in honesty, it probably doesn't cost that much money relatively to to put that together. You know, compared to, you know, all the work done and look around, you know, get cars and drive on every city in the country. That's a bigger, you know, undertaking. So it's a nice little feature. I, I don't really begrudge it, but I just don't find I use it much. And then when I play with it, I'm like, oh, this is kind of nice. It gives me a better idea of how the city's put together. And mm-hmm. um, uh, but you, know, you just got to be uh, curious enough to go in and do it. <laughs> yeah. What about search and maps? Yeah, this is obviously the thing that most most people are doing in any maps application, right? You're starting with search. And I have found that this is one area that I think Google Maps still does a little bit better. And again, totally dependent on where you are. But for me, I have seen Apple Maps give me a result hundreds of miles away instead of the local thing that I meant. Now, it's better and better every year, but it still seems like the fuzziness of search, right? I'm not quite sure what this place is called. Apple Maps struggles with that a little bit more than Google, but look, Google, that's their whole business, so I understand that. But it can be really useful to to just open Maps and search for something and, and find not only the location, but what's around it. And everything kind of in Apple Maps is built on this idea of the information card, and that shows basically everything about a specific location. So if I'm looking up, again, we'll talk about the Bass Pro Pyramid in Memphis. If I look that up and I can tap on it or click on it, I get uh, all the info about that place. And some of that information is uh, insert, some of it's not. But for me, like I said, it's still a little bit of a weakness of Apple Maps. But I'm curious about you because... Uh, you know, you live in a much bigger place uh, that's probably better understood by, by whatever robot brain is inside Apple Maps. So a search 
done the thing to you where they try to send you to a coffee shop two cities away? Uh, yeah, here's an example. Um, I So I just did this construction. I thought I might want to put a little Japanese sculpted tree outside my window so I can look out the window and see it. So I thought, well, you know, they make bonsai tree farms and they usually have those trees. So this weekend I did a search for it and it found a really good place that does it about 20 miles away from my house. Uh, and I can go up there and check it out. It's on my list. But my seventh search result is a place called Serenity Orchid and Bonsai in Miami Beach, Florida. <laughs> and when I did the search, I was at my home in Orange County, California. The map was centered on my home. And seven entries down, it's sending me to Miami. Yeah, I have a feeling there are more bonsai gardens between here and Miami <laughs> than seven. You know? <laughs> and I, I don't know why, you know? I just don't know why. Wow. But the... Uh, it. So it still does weird stuff like that sometimes. And uh, so that was just a search for bonsai trees. And and uh, that's what it gave me. Uh, generally, I do find, you know, if I'm looking for a specific restaurant or if I put in an address, it gets me there without, you know, sending me off too far. But mm -hmm. uh, just the general searches, I find, still are way too generic. And I feel like it seems like such an obvious miss. Like, how does a computer, when the guy's focused on Orange County, California, think that he might want to go to the place in Miami and like, and, and it's, you know, look at Apple's, you know, good about privacy, but on device, it knows a lot about me. It knows my, you know, how often I travel, where I go, you know, and the fact is I have never been to Miami beach, Florida. I've gone to <laughs> Orlando a few times, but that was last time was years ago. And, you know, it's like, it's like what in the computer brain made it think that I mm -hmm. would want to go to Miami, you yeah. know? So, it's like it seems to me like they're uh, they're missing out here a little bit. I think one one way they've tried to curb that a little bit is with the find nearby feature. So this is if you if you're on the iPhone, uh, it's just it, it's on that bottom UI and say like, okay, based on my location, find grocery stores around me or coffee shops around me. Yeah, supposedly on the where the map is located. I don't know why that's sometimes different for straight up search, but that is useful, right? If you're traveling, it's like, hey, I need a coffee shop nearby. You can open it, tap it, or search. And it's uh, that is pretty nicely done, I think. Why the two aren't more closely aligned, I, I don't know. Yeah, find nearby works every time. You know, I mean, restaurants or gas stations, whatever. And uh, that, and, and honestly, this search issue, I'm making fun of it. But it also, the first result was the best location for me, the closest to my house. Mm -hmm. I had to get down to number seven to get to Florida, but I just don't know why it exists at all. Right. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Series suggestions is another way to kind of get stuff into Apple Maps. So to look for addresses for your contacts, upcoming calendar events, et cetera. It will try to surface those at the right time. I think that's most useful maybe in the CarPlay context, so we can talk more about it then. But yeah. it's it's a way Apple wants you to not have to search, right? It's like, oh, you had a, a meeting and it had this address on it and it's in 30 minutes. Let's go ahead and put that in Apple Maps so it's just a tap away. And, and it always works. That That to me is rock solid. I mean, just my advice is put addresses on your appointments. And mm -hmm. when you get in your car, it's going to immediately pull it up every time you don't need to worry about it and yeah. uh, that's great mm -hmm. 
drop a pin is another like kind of feature of Apple Maps, and that's part of all map apps, but it works great. And you can, you know, I use it all the time where I will long press where I'm located at and uh, just send the pin. You know, we do it with the fa- with, between family and friends all the time. Very useful. I also drop pins in places I find interesting, uh, but not as often, usually when I'm traveling. Yeah, it's like a, it's like kind of leaving breadcrumbs for yourself yeah. is, is the way that I view it. Uh, you can also set favorites in in Apple Maps by default, and I, they have like a home and a work entry. So for, for me, like the work one just never has an address because I work at home. But you can also add favorites on a temporary basis. So one thing that I always do if I'm traveling, I put my hotel or my Airbnb or wherever I'm staying in as a favorite. And those are always together in Apple Maps. So I could very quickly tap on them. Again, something else that gets surfaced in CarPlay is your favorites. And so the I kind of view favorites as like a step beyond dropping a pin where, yes, it's probably temporary, but I'm going to need this address a bunch over the next four or five days. And I want it, I want quick access to it. Yeah. The, um, I'm going to talk about um, trips favorites later. I've got a different technique for that. But um, uh, I, when I stopped practicing law, I had a, an office and uh, I you know don't go there anymore. And I, I deleted it from my contact as my work address. And Apple Maps got very confused for a long time. And now it suggests when I want to go to work, Disneyland. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I guess it's the AI. I don't know what happened. But suddenly... I didn't put it in as my work address, but it, it, I guess we go there enough that it thinks that's my work. Good problem to have, I guess. <laughs> that's a very specific sparky, sparky problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, the well, my wife does work there, so and sure. she, we ha- we sh- we share a car, so. Uh, but I I don't go there that often, but <laughs> I guess she goes there enough that it, it thinks it's our work. That's hilarious. Um, some other stuff to do with Map. Uh, I like it as a home screen widget. You know. Um, yeah, that that's kind of the advantage of the Apple tech. It's always good, and um, and I don't, I didn't historically put it on my maps, uh, you know, in my home screens. But with this new focus mode feature, where you can set focus modes, I I do have certain focus modes where I'll have a map show up. Why not? You know, see where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. If you know, we've talked before about a traveling focus or. The way mine is set right now, I have just a, a home screen that's hidden most of the time unless I'm traveling, then I turn it on. And one of the things on that screen uh, is Apple Maps. It's it's a nice way to kind of go in and out of those different modes. Yeah. The last thing I would kind of put in this Apple Map like basic feature set is the ability to send feedback. And this pops up. Uh, in all the the various Maps apps, and you can send Apple feedback about something that is wrong. I've done this twice over the years. Uh, Once for a baseball stadium that was being shown on Apple Maps that was torn down like 15 years ago. And clearly it was just in an old data set they they had pulled in. And I just sent uh, a little message saying, hey, this has been torn down, you know, for a decade. And you get a, a message back if you want it. And sure enough, it was gone from Apple Maps within a couple of weeks and has not come back. The second time was using Apple Maps out in the country. We were visiting a state park in the middle of nowhere and we were using Apple Maps. And it navigated us to like a farmhouse 
a couple of miles away from the actual state park entrance. And there was like a guy out front, super nice. He's like, oh yeah, it happens all the time. Uh, where you want to, you know, go down the street a little bit and it's on your right or whatever. And so I reported that to Apple as well, that, hey, the state park, like where you have it is correct. But for some reason, when you navigate to it, it takes you to this other address. And uh, I got a message back saying that that had been fixed as well. And uh, it's really pretty easy to do. And I've uh, two out of two for me, I guess, for having things corrected. And so we'll have a link in the show notes how to how to go find that feature. But pretty cool. And it is you could say, well, like yeah, Apple's relying on their users to make this better. Like, yeah, that's part of how maps work. Like if you're in navigation and you see the little red line that traffic is slowed down, that's from anonymous data from a bunch of iPhones. Like it there is this feedback mechanism that is important to keeping these things accurate. Google Maps has a very similar thing. Uh, but for me, my two experiences with Apple Maps has been actually really positive when it comes to reporting errors in the, you know, my neck of the woods. Can you imagine how crazy that must make developers that submit, you know, tickets or radars? And oh, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Swift UI is broken for three years. But hey, Steven got a baseball stadium that was torn down, removed. No. The um the the other thing I would one last point I would make on this introductory section is do go to the preferences and the easiest way to access them that I could figure out is just long press on your little iCloud icon in Maps and then there's a preferences button you can tap and um, if you've got things that annoy you about Apple Maps maybe you like generally like to cycle and you don't have a car you can switch it to cycling directions or you know um, avoiding toll roads or um, you know, avoid hills when you walk. Although I, I look forward to climbing hills. That's the good part. Um, so you, you can go through it and kind of set it up the way you want. And uh, it just takes a minute. And I think, you know, making the pro, the uh, the application customized to you makes it more enjoyable to use. So uh, if you're going to get started with Apple Maps, just take a minute, set your preferences. Yeah, that's, that's good advice. Uh, there's some other things in those preferences that are pretty cool. Like you can have it... Um, show the different transit so like for me i don't use transit at home so i leave that off most of the time i don't even know if it has transit stuff in memphis because again i have it off but uh you can you can also uh again you said the directions there's some there's some settings for spoken directions so if you're navigating in your your phone or watch or speaking to you there's some settings there as well and uh it's uh it's pretty robust uh, in terms of what, how you can set up Apple Maps. And so, so yeah, spend some time in there exploring. Chances are if something is bugging you about it, you can probably tweak it. I mean, way more than some of Apple's other default apps, I think. Maybe they should have a setting in Memphis, like, any, you know, to tell you places where your big truck won't fit. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. Go to onepassword.com slash MPU in all caps and start protecting your family today. With one password for families, you can keep your family safe online with the world's most loved password manager. I've been a one password for families subscriber since they first announced the service years ago, and I'm a very happy customer. With one password for families, we can sign in with a single click. One password makes it easy to create and use strong passwords and log into any app or website in seconds and having my whole family on that system really gives me peace of mind because I know they're using good habits when they go online they're protecting themselves and frankly the whole family that way 
And with 1Password for Families, sharing is made really simple. 1Password is the safest way to share logins, passwords, and credit cards, and other important information with the people who matter most. I mean, you shouldn't be text messaging passwords to each other. 1Password lets you avoid all of that. You can keep those personal logins private and give everyone access to what they need safely. And with 1Password for Families, you can access it anywhere. Uh, Mac OS, Windows, Linux, iOS, Android, and even through the web browser. No matter what device you're using, everything you've stored in 1Password is at your fingertips. I really like the way you can have multiple vaults so we can have different buckets of passwords depending on it's really peace of mind for everyone it allows you to protect the family from hacks and breaches by making it easy to use your strong passwords and find security problems with the websites you use and you get all those additional features with one password it identifies weak or duplicate passwords and websites where you can turn on two-factor authentication you get alerts when accounts are compromised so you can update passwords right away and create those strong and unique passwords in your day-to-day -day use of the internet. It's really a great service and a way to introduce your family to better online security and safer browsing habits. Uh, like I said, I'm a happy subscriber. You should check it out. If you go to onepassword.com slash MPU in all caps, you get a 20% discount. So go, go check that out. Get signed up. Start protecting yourself today. And for now through November 25th, when you sign up for a family plan, 1Password is making a donation to food bank services. And it's so that makes now a better time than any to sign up for 1Password for families. Like I said, go check it out, onepassword.com slash MPU in all caps to get that 20% off and start protecting yourself and your family today. So what a lot of us do with Apple Maps the most often is navigate, right? I'm going to X, how do I get there? And we touched on this a second ago, but you have uh, driving, public transit, walking, and cycling as your four navigation types. Again, not all of those are available everywhere. Uh, but the navigation, I think, is, again, where most of us spend our time in, in Apple Maps day to day. There's even some new settings. If you have an electric vehicle, they will do some routing around chargers. That's pretty limited right now. I think it's only uh, four, so it's like the Mach-E and the Lightning and then some electric BMWs. So this isn't fully featured to every EV. Uh, in fact, a lot of EVs have sort of their own version of this built into their, you know, their native unit. But uh, I like I like seeing it. You know, even though I don't drive an electric vehicle, I think it's pretty cool that uh, that is there. The one thing I would say about the navigation, and you know, this comes up a lot for me because I'll run navigation in town, even though. 9.9 times out of 10, I know where I'm going just to be aware of any traffic, right? If it wants to reroute me around an accident or something. But I will say that Apple Maps really doesn't like when you go off course. So like as an example, when I leave my house, if I go south, I can get on, on the highway and I can cut through the neighborhood or I can go around the neighborhood, right? It's kind of two ways. And if Apple Maps has decided I'm going to go through the neighborhood, but I decide I'm going to go around, it wants me to make every left-hand turn I can to get back on the track that it thinks I should be on. Whereas Google Maps tends to be, at least for me, a little more forgiving when it comes to, hey, you've missed a turn, but we're going to kind of assume you know what you're doing for a minute before it goes really south. And yeah. that's uh, 
that's a little annoying for me using it in town. I've just kind of learned to ignore it. But that is, again, like this this difference between the two that I've noticed having used both heavily you know, for a long time. Yeah, and that, that really kind of goes back to the original like navigation units, the Garmin's and stuff you put in your car, is they're dumb. You know, they, they get in their head how they want you to get there, and they'll want you to do U-turns and stuff to get back to that way, even if you know better. And, um, and Apple's uh, Maps does that to a certain extent. I, I do that too. I use it often. I mean, I have CarPlay. We've got a whole segment on CarPlay later in the, the outline, but... I really like the data, you know, I just kind of like knowing my general ETA and, and I will say uh, that the Apple maps navigation is spooky good on ETAs. I mean, they are right on, you know, and they get the time they say it's going to get you, you take to get there in my experience is just bang on. And that's great. Um, But what I do is there is a setting you can tap on the screen and this gets to CarPlay, but it also is on the maps app where you can turn it on to just be silent or just give you key notices or like turn by turn notices. And because so often I have navigation running, it's largely silent for me unless I'm going to a place. I don't know where I'm going and I I need directions. And uh, so I usually keep it silent and then I can just glance down. And even if it's starting to freak out and say, I should go down, you know, through the suburbs versus going onto the highway or whatever, uh, I don't even really notice it because mm-hmm. I just use it as a reference point. Once I kind of get rolling, well, what's my ETA now? Is there any you know traffic advisory things like that? And um, uh, that's kind of my way around that problem. Yeah, yeah. If it, it was telling you to make a U-turn every block, you'd want to throw your phone out the window. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I wouldn't even probably notice it, and if it was, I would just ignore it because it's not talking. But right. if, if you do have that problem, like, and especially on routes where you know where you're going, just turn off the sound and then kind of the problem goes away yeah what when you're picking a route one of the things it does that i like is it gives you multiple routes and where i live there's several toll roads and it's very good at saying well if you take the toll road you go this way you know and if you give them six dollars you save you know five minutes so it's a it's a nice because it shows you on the the projected courses what the projected eta is and it's a good way to know whether or not you should spend the money on the tolls or not, because sometimes like there's an accident or something, you're going to save, you know, 50 minutes by going on the toll road. Well, then I'll pay for it. But largely I don't, but I always get that option and the projected time ETA. And then the other thing it does, you know, it gives you kind of highway friendly versus local street friendly routes as well. So if, you know, you prefer to do it one way or the other, you've got those options. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you have a preference like like a lot of times like it'll say, well, if you took the local streets uh, because there's traffic right now, you can get there five minutes earlier. In my mind, I'll just get on the highway and take five minutes longer because I don't like having to take a left turn, then a right turn, then a left. You know, just the whole like stress of navigating this weird route that the computer thought of for me to save me five minutes. I'll just get on the traffic. What's your go to in that situation? Uh, I mean, most of where I need to go has to be on city streets. Sure. So I don't, I don't really, most of the time don't really have like a big option there. It's the way okay. that Memphis is yeah. set up. But I do like that if you're on a longer trip, you know, for me, it does give you those, those different options. Uh, I would say that if you're, say that you take route A, it's only you want to switch to route B. 
Apple Maps doesn't make that super easy. You basically have to end your trip and start the search again. There's not a great way to change, you know, to move to one of those alternate routes that if it if it doesn't actively suggest it midway through your trip. Well, I mean, I do find that if I pick like route A and I start on route B, it throws fits for three or four minutes, but eventually it gets the idea. And, uh, you know, I wish it was faster. But like if I say I'm going to take the city street, but then suddenly I get on the toll road, then eventually it just goes to that route. You know, where I live, we have a lot of highways and a lot of different options. So maybe that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. One thing I don't like is um, during the trip, it will sometimes, and I think that they mean well, it will give you alternates. Like, hey, there's traffic. Now, the thing that we deal with in Southern California is traffic all the time, you know, and and there's always traffic. And so you'll get started on the route and they'll say, well, there's an accident or for whatever reason, there's a lot of traffic. And, you know, you can save 10 minutes if you get off now and go this way. But there are parts of Los Angeles that you really don't want to drive through. And, uh, you know, they're just not that safe. And like my kids in particular, I worry about this. Like, you know, if you got a flat tire in certain areas of L.A., uh, I'd be worried about them. So I, I always tell them they have to ignore that. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and they have a pretty good idea where they should, where that's safe to do and where it's not. But between sending you off into some area you're not familiar with or um, or just letting you stay on the freeway, I think, I think it should be a little more obvious. Yeah. One area that Apple Maps navigation has improved a lot for me is lane guidance. So you're on the highway and there's a split coming up and you need to be in one of the two right lanes. Uh, It will give you that notification ahead of time. And if you're using the voice, it will read it to you like, hey, you need to be in these lanes. Uh, For a long time, I think Google Maps was smoother at that. But I think Apple's caught right up to them. And that's, I think, especially important when you're on a trip and you're in a city you're not familiar with, right? It's like, oh, where, what side is my exit on? Where do I need to be for this? It's, uh, it prepares you for that in advance so you're not scrambling last minute, which, of course, is, uh, can be dangerous. Yeah, I mean, for a long time, not only was Google better at it, Google was the only one that did it. I mean, yeah. Apple Maps didn't do it for a long time. And when I was doing my informal sur- survey over the last few days of friends, that was one of the big arguments. Well, I use Google because it tells me what lane to get. I'm like, oh, you know, Apple Maps have been doing that for like three years now. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, I didn't know that. You know, so so um, yeah, they, they do it. Um, I prefer, and just in general, I, I'm not going to belabor this because it's very subtle. But in general, I just prefer the way Apple renders the map. You know, when you're driving, I feel like Apple puts less data on the screen which kind of makes sense, right? You know, Apple wants it pretty. Google wants a lot of information. Um, But when I'm driving, that is a situation where less data, but the important data is is all I really want. And I just feel like the way it renders looks better. And I notice that particularly with things like lane change data or where to get off uh, the freeway. So I I find that um, actually a benefit of Apple Maps. One thing that they have added over uh, over time is the ability to share your ETA. So say that you're navigating to me to you know to pick me up for something, you can have Maps uh, send a notification to me, and then I can follow along with uh, where you are and how how close you are to me. Uh, this is fantastic if people are in town and you're picking them up, or you know you're going to meet somebody. Uh, you basically just um, you go to share it, and then you select the person you want to send it to, and then they get a push notification from Maps on their phone to uh, 
to have your ETA kind of up. It's it's pretty cool, pretty clever. Do you use this feature? I do if if like if someone's in town. Like so when Mike and Adina Hurley were in town a few weeks ago and they stayed at a hotel, I would basically just share my ETA with him anytime I got in the truck to like go pick them up. So that way they knew, okay, we need to head downstairs or you know, we got we got 15 minutes before it gets here, we can finish getting ready. It's just nicer than like the text messages back and forth, right? It's way better. And I I use it constantly. I mean, this is probably one of my most used features in Apple Maps and if you haven't tried this, I strongly recommend you do so. If anytime you're dealing with other humans and travel, uh, you know, and I guess maybe this is a Southern California thing because it is just so hard to predict here when you'll arrive somewhere. And like um, my daughter, uh, my youngest daughter attends UCLA and I would go pick her up, but it's, you know, it's either an hour and 15 minutes or four hours from my house. I'm not sure which one, you know, depending on the day in the traffic, but I would always share ETA with her and then I'd get to the dorm and she'd be out on the curb and, you know, she would just know when I was close and, uh, Daisy and I do it with each other. When she goes to work, if she's coming home, she shares it with me and then I can you know, have dinner ready when she gets here. The, um, I mean, just constantly using this, you know? Uh, so I, I find this a very easy to use feature. Um, you, you, to turn it on, you just, there's a little arrow, you hit it and it remembers the people you do it with most frequently, but friends and family, but even coworkers, it's great. I, uh, I, uh, strongly recommend it. We've mentioned transit uh, a couple of times. This is something that neither of us, I don't think rely on day to day. I certainly don't. Uh, yeah. but, but that is one of the modes within the transportation and, you can set it up to be the way you want to travel, and it pulls together uh, bus, train, subway, whatever is available to you. And it's also tied in with transit cards and Apple Pay, so you can pay to get on and off, or you can use your card to get on and off, kind of linking Apple's various services and software together. I think this is the best example of it in Apple Maps, where you can pay and manage it all kind of in one place, which is which is pretty sweet. Uh, again, when we were in London, we were able to pay just with our phones, you know, via via Apple Pay or NFC. And it was it was really slick just to have your phone do everything for you. But one area that I think uh, I would like to see improved is the the cycling directions. Again, they're not even everywhere. But from what I've seen and in reading people who have had more experience with it, they seem pretty basic. And for a lot of people, that's how a lot of people get around <laughs> a lot of cities. And so hopefully that can be a, an area of improvement for them. Yeah. And the pedestrian stuff is useful too. Um, I use the walking directions, particularly when I'm visiting a city. And, you know, you just don't want to be a guy walking around a strange city with your head down, looking at your phone the whole time. I mm-hmm. guess I, I am I overly worried about security, personal security. I'm talking about, you know, rerouting directions and everything, but I, I just don't want to be that guy, you know, when I'm sure. walking down the street, I, I'm clueless enough as it is. And the, um, so I always put pedestrian directions into my phone, but then you wear the Apple watch and the Apple watch says, you know, walk two blocks and turn left. And, it just is really easy, and it looks like you're checking your time. So mm-hmm. you're not obviously a tourist looking at your phone. And you can walk around any you know any city I've been to. It's worked really great that way. And that that's just another kind of version of navigation. 
Mm-hmm. And I guess we should mention that they now have multi-stop routing. Up to yes. 15 stops on a trip. That's a new feature. Finally. So how it used to be is, you know, say that I'm driving across the state, I would need to find like certs nearby to find a gas station. Then I would navigate to it. When I filled the car up, then I would go back to navigating to my ultimate destination. And now uh, you can set up a multi-route trip in advance, or you can add them on the fly. Uh, this is a fantastic feature, and it's new this year. It's taken them a long time to get here, but it is very welcome. So let's go beyond uh, search navigation and a little bit more into exploring with Apple Maps, You know, really kind of finding the hidden gems around you or in a new city. And this is kind of a two-sided thing, right? If you're a business owner, you want to make sure that your restaurant or coffee shop or museum, whatever it is, you want to make sure that that is correctly listed in Apple Maps. And uh, Apple Maps has a location claiming system, just like Google does, where you can go in and say, this is my business. These are the hours that were open. You can make changes to those. You know, if your hours change over time or seasonally, whatever it may be. And you also register to be the point of contact for that business. So if Apple has a question... Uh, they can get in touch, right? Or if they have a bunch of things, you know, maybe a bunch of people report that, you know, something is wrong. They may reach out and clarify with you before they make the change in their listing. Uh, Again, something that is present on all these services because they're only as good as the local data that's in them. So if you own a business or, you know, a point of interest or something, and you can make sure that your stuff is correct and that way people can find you. Very nice. And the flip side of it is you can put together your own guides um, on your device. And they have uh, those. And guides are like favorites, but they're a collection under a single banner. We were talking earlier about when you go on trips, saving things as favorites. I have city-based guides. Like I've gone to San Francisco enough that I know the restaurants I like there, the jazz club, some of the hotels I've stayed at. And I just keep a guide of them for myself. And then I can, anytime I go to San Francisco, I can get to those locations very easily. And they kind of evolve over time. Uh, if you go on a vacation before you get there, you know, do your research and the places you want to go, put them into a guide and you can save it there. Um, uh, you can also put them together like by a different context. For instance, I have a guide with all of my family locations, you know, the places my kids are currently living or where my where they work and and my other extended family and I just like having one place I can go to see all that stuff on the map and once you put it in a guide just they're basically favorites so they come up very quickly so it's a way of telling Apple Maps these are places important to you yeah and you can collaborate sort of yeah so how how does that work share them you can share them okay okay (laughs) so I created one. called Memphis Barbecue. I'll put it in the show notes. It's like 11 places around town that people people go eat. Now, wait, wait, wait. Are these, I, for the folks in the audience, are these places that are recommended by you or just barbecue places? I would say, I would say you couldn't go wrong with any of them. Okay, good to know. All right. I'm going to add it to my collection. Then. Okay, there you go. Next time I visit you, I'm going to go check these places out. Now, wait, one other question. Is Memphis is it pork or beef ribs in Memphis? Oh, it's pork all the way. Okay, then I can then I can visit. That's okay. Then. Yeah, all yeah. the way. One thing that is uh, neat about the guides is Apple Maps also has a lot of 
third party guide. So they work with a lot of other outlets like TripAdvisor and others. And so if you're visiting a big city or an area, there may be guides that are pre-populated from people, you know, travel bloggers and that sort of thing, which can be another way to to locate or, or to find uh, find new things to check out. Yeah. Uh, I found one for California ghost towns, you know. Awesome. Uh, someday I'll have to go visit some of these places. But yeah, you, so you can share it, um, but you can't like like the family one. If they add to it, they add to their local copy. It's not like a cloud based version that we can mm-hmm. all add to at the same time. That would be a nice feature. Yeah, I think having better collaboration here would be huge. And then I guess the third big exploring idea is extensions. You know, there are extensions you can you can put in Maps. Uh, just like some of Apple's other apps where you can tie into it. And obvious places are like ride-sharing services like Uber or Lyft where you can just open it up and it puts the current address you have in Maps into the destination for the ride-sharing service. And like Yelp, if you want to make directions, you can bounce into Yelp and do that. It's not, and, and I guess that these are kind of power user features. But if you want to be able to, you know, go beyond the basic feature set to some of these third-party apps. Most of the big ones are there. Yeah, I think that's been a nice addition because, I mean, how many times have you been traveling and, like, you're you're linking those two things by, like, copy and paste or something? And so to have it kind of just show up and surface within the app is pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, to give an example, my my city guides when I go on vacation or, or a business trip and I just open up, a, a restaurant that I like, I can, I can bounce it into Uber or Lyft with these extensions. It's just make sure you, if you use those services, you might as well have the extensions installed. This episode of MPU is brought to you by Security Spy. We all want to feel safe and secure, and that's exactly what a video surveillance system at your home or business can provide. Maybe you've considered installing one, but have been put off by things like the complexity, cost, or poor Mac compatibility. Well, Security Spy is software designed just for the Apple ecosystem from the ground up that allows you to create a professional quality video surveillance system with easy setup, no specialist hardware, and no ongoing subscription fees. All you need are some IP cameras, which connect over Ethernet or Wi-Fi back to your Mac, which runs the Security Spy software. Some of the great features of Security Spy are recording that can be always on or triggered by motion, whatever fits your need best. Motion detection that uses artificial intelligence to accurately determine when to trigger recording and send you notifications, virtually eliminating false triggers. Remote access to your system over the internet allows you to check in and see what's happening at your property from wherever you are. Apple Home integration gives options such as initiating recording based on HomeKit events or controlling HomeKit accessories based on camera motion. And all of this is wrapped up in an intuitive and refined user interface for easy setup. So many camera systems live outside of the world of Apple. I know the one that I've used is. But with Security Spy, you can integrate it with stuff you're already using, which is something that really appeals to me. And unlike cloud-based systems, all of the processing and storage is local on your Mac. That's a big deal. This gives you the best possible performance, provides ultimate privacy for your data, and avoids ongoing fees. 
With Security Spy, a modern Mac can cope with even a large camera system with very low resource usage. So there's no problem running it on a Mac that you also use for other tasks. Head on over to securityspy.com to learn more and to download a free trial and use the code MPU at checkout for a 20% discount. That's securityspy.com and the code MPU for 20% off. Our thanks to Security Spy for their support of the show and Relay FM. I teased earlier that I think Maps on the Mac is more useful than you may believe. And uh, I want to talk about that for a minute because when they first put it on the Mac, I'm like, oh, that's great, but I only really need Maps on my phone. But I find that I look at it all the time now. Uh, first of all, it's a nice, it's got a feature set that matches, you know, what you're getting on iPad and iPhone. Do you know if Apple Maps on the Mac is a Catalyst app? I believe so. Um, it predates Mac Catalyst, but I believe it was one of the apps that got moved over a little bit later on. So, I mean, it looks very much like the iPad version, but it's a really solid Mac app. And I won't lie, I kind of like having a full app for this as opposed to Google that's just on the web. Oh, yeah, totally. And like the way I, the context of me using it is sometimes like if I, somebody wants to meet me or something and you know, we'll say, well, let's meet in El Monte. And I'm like, okay. And then I can just do a quick search for restaurants in El Monte. And then I can kind of look at what neighborhood it's in. And, and like, I, I just find uses for it uh, while I'm sitting at my desk. And uh, the other thing that's really cool is you can get directions and just send it to your iPhone. And then, so you can figure all that out on, you know, a massive screen. And then it's all there for you once you get in the car. I mean, mm-hmm. I have a bias as I record the show. I'm somebody who drives a lot. We don't have a lot of public transportation. So those are the features that are going to come out and the stuff I talk about the most. Yeah, but it is nice to be able to plan that out and do all your searching when you're on your Mac and you have a, a much bigger screen than your phone. And of course, if you save something, it'll show up in your recents, but you can uh, you can get everything kind of set up. And there's even an option in the share sheet in maps for the Mac where you can send something to your other devices. And yeah. that can either be a location. It can be a route. It can be a search kind of wherever you are. It's a way to get that to your other devices, which is super handy. I just find uses for it, you know, all the time. There are some cool features you can do with Apple maps that are, uh, are kind of fun uh, if you, you know, there's a little scale there. Uh, if you drag on the scale, it actually changes the size. That's a little thing I discovered by accident. I also like that it supports tabs. So if you're in Apple maps and you hit command T, you can hit another tab. So if you're like looking at two different locations or trying to figure things out, I find that useful. Like a lot of times I'm like planning things with people on the phone and that's where I'm using Apple Maps. And then I can get like their location and my location. If you want to use the look around, they have a picture in picture mode for look around. So you can have the map on the screen, but also see the look around view. It's just, you know, all the benefits of having a large screen with your map data. It's also nice if you need screenshots or, you know, you're putting something on the web, right? You need an image of some sort. Like by far the best way to do that is to make a screen grab in the Mac version, because you can make it really big. They also have a neat preference uh, to all to use larger labels. So again, if you need a, an image of a map, 
uh, that's something that I turn on because it makes all the street names and everything just that much more legible. You can also have it print out a PDF of the map or of directions with turn by turn listing, like, you know, the old Thomas brothers day, you know, where it would say, go left on this street and right on that street. I, I don't know. I, I would hope that I would never need that, you know, but I guess maybe somebody's visiting you and you need to give them directions someplace and they don't have a phone. I don't know. I mean, I don't know where that fits, but it's cool that it exists. Yeah. I mean, that was how we all did it for a long time, right? You would, yeah. even when this stuff was on the web, but before we all had smartphones, you would look it up on MapQuest or something and then print it out. So I feel like there's some people who just, who want that uh, security, I guess, of something they can hold in their hand. I I just find Apple Maps on the Mac very useful. I, I guess we, have, we, we don't really even have an entry in the outline for the iPad, but the iPad to me is kind of in the middle. It doesn't, I don't find I use Apple maps hardly ever on the iPad. You know, the, uh, yep. I, I'm either using it on my phone or my Mac, but they have it there and it works just as well. So again, you've got a, a bigger screen, but usually when you're in a car, your phone is all, all you really want to use. So let's switch gears <clears throat> and talk about CarPlay yeah, uh, <laughs> and maps. And, and, and when you cleared your throat, it sounded like you were saying vroom, vroom. So I think that was like double right there. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really nailed that transition we're yeah professionals uh so carplay's been out for several years now i think it first surfaced in ios 7 or 8 uh somewhere around there and if you're not familiar with it there's sort of a home screen in carplay and on one side it shows you your maps and centered wherever you are and then on the other half of the screen it has your map favorites any media that's playing, and then if you have it enabled, any series suggestions. And of course, you can make maps full screen uh, on your car. I generally just use kind of the split view. If it, I, I find that most of the time that's enough for me, and I also want my media controls there. But as you just drive around, even without navigating, it will show you where you are on the map. Of course, using the GPS on the, the paired phone. Of course, you can get turn-by-turn directions and search and search nearby. It's really Siri-driven on CarPlay, like most things are. In fact, some uh, some vehicle manufacturers disable like keyboard input if you're moving. Or like in my wife's van has a stock Toyota system in it with CarPlay on it. You don't even get like your whole list of music unless you're sitting still. It's just your recents, like they're trying to pare down the interaction you can do. But it's where I use Apple Maps the most is definitely in CarPlay because uh, I can plug in my where I'm going on my phone or it shows up in suggestions or it's a favorite. And it's pretty, pretty great. I mean, it's it's definitely the heart and soul of CarPlay, I think, to to have that map data with you as you're on the road. Yeah. And uh, and you know, we could do more on CarPlay than we're covering here. We're really focused on maps today. But uh, I use Apple Maps there, but you don't have to. You could use Google Maps or some of the other alternatives if you wanted. They they are also supported. Yeah, and they will populate that home screen. So say that you want to use Google Maps or Waze or something. As long as that's the last one you opened, that's the one that's used on that split home screen of CarPlay, which is really cool because there was a version of this that I think Apple could have could have done where like, no, only Apple Maps gets the, the home view, but uh, I'm glad they were a little more pragmatic with that. Yeah, agree. And I do think that um, 
I guess kind of getting into the nuts and bolts of CarPlay, if you go into the preferences for CarPlay in your iPhone app, just go into preferences and search CarPlay. That's the only way I can ever find it. But you can tell it to use different, um, um, you can put, you can change the order of the icons in your CarPlay. So if you like really are sold on Google Maps and you've stumbled into like page two, you can move it to the first page so it's there for you to see it or even just turn off apps that you're not using. And, it kind of helps, but either way, yeah, yeah. CarPlay is a is a great thing. If you've got a car that supports it, you should use it. I uh, I don't think I would have a car without CarPlay at this point. I use it so often, and I'm just so used to it. Like we were talking earlier about the share ETA thing, that is really easy to access in your driveway before you head out to to visit someone, and it remembers your local uh, favorites. Mm-hmm. So you know, you just click the button or turning on and off the uh, the voice directions. Once again, one tap on the screen. And also, I just like the idea of not relying on my phone. And I understand that you can like get like a, a dash mount and use maps on, on your phone, which is fine. You know, but just be careful that you don't get distracted. Uh, with CarPlay, the way my car works, you actually put the phone in the glove box and plug it in. And you don't even see the phone until you get mm-hmm. to your destination, which is really nice. Um, I know you have been experimenting with wireless CarPlay. Where do you stand on that now? Yeah, I have not found a wireless car play solution that I like. And so my aftermarket unit that I put in my truck is wired. And there are a bunch of different boxes that you can basically plug into the USB port and it fakes being wireless. And I try, I've tried a couple. I made a video on one a couple of years ago and didn't really like the experience. Uh, and for me, I don't have a wireless charging pad in my car. A lot of new vehicles have the combination of wireless charging and wireless CarPlay. So like you put your car, your phone in the console, it's charging, it's doing CarPlay. For me, I don't have any of that. So plugging in is what I prefer anyways to be able to charge my phone. Yeah. And so I prefer wired CarPlay and and I don't, I understand the benefit, right? You can just leave your phone in your pocket. But if I'm driving, it's a great opportunity to charge my phone. So yeah. wired totally works for me. It takes seconds to plug it in. Yeah. I'm with you. It, it, it works faster. For whatever reason, that wireless connection is not very fast. And um, I just, you know, and it really removes the temptation. Like it's a ritual. You open the thing, you plug it in, you drop the phone in there, and then you shut it. And you're good. And you get what you need out of your your CarPlay window. Uh, they, they sell a lot of different CarPlay modules. You can add it to your car if you want. That's what I did because my car is old enough that they didn't have CarPlay as an option when I bought it. And uh, two years ago, I just had them replace the radio with a CarPlay module and just love it. Just love it. And uh, the directions and Apple maps integration is really good. Uh, a lot of the stuff we've been talking about, the, the lane uh, navigation, the turn by turn stuff, the oncoming traffic uh, and the routing is all done right on that screen. And uh, it's a way to go. Another feature of Apple maps and CarPlay is the uh, saving the location of your car when you're parked. And so it works with CarPlay or just regular Bluetooth. And when you have that setting turned on in the the map settings on your phone, it will just drop a little pin of where your car is parked. And it's clever. It doesn't do it where you frequently park, like at home or at work. But if you're out and about, it'll let you know. You can get a notification saying, you know, you've updated your your car's parked location and you can go back and, and find it later. 
Uh, if you don't want that, you can turn it off. But I find that actually really helpful, uh, especially because it doesn't trigger when I'm at home. Like it knows that I, if I'm at home, I'm parked at my house and leaves me alone. But if you're traveling or you're going out to eat or, or something like that, it's a nice way to navigate by foot back to wherever you parked. Yeah, I think it's all, you know, useful, that stuff. And as an automator, you know, the problem is how do you tell the device when you're parked, you know, that you've been in your car and now you've parked at a place because we move around all the time. You know, maybe you're on the bus, maybe you're in somebody else's car. And like, how does the device know you parked? Well, the act of uh, connecting and disconnecting from CarPlay is an excellent trigger that you are driving and you have stopped somewhere. So Apple's just taking advantage of that. And in fact, if you use shortcuts, disconnecting from CarPlay is a trigger. So you could like build some automations on that too. Like, you know, send a text message to your spouse saying that I've arrived or whatever. So uh, this is just kind of a variation on that. But uh, if you've ever lost your car, uh, you know that that's no fun. And now that is just kind of automatically handled for you. I see that like, cause you know, Daisy and I do go to Disneyland pretty often. And sometimes you'll be like walking back to your car and people will be just wandering up and down the aisle or they'll be holding their remote up in the air and just pressing it, you know, and you just look at them and you're like, Oh, I'm so sad for you because this parking <laughs> structure has like six levels and it's massive and you, you have no idea where you parked. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's always a bummer. You know, you're walking around with the remote held high, trying to get your car to beep. <laughs> We've all done. Yeah, that. exactly. Like sonar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then they get, and then they go, and you see them go to the stairs and go up or down. And you're like, yeah, they don't even know what level they're on. Yeah. I feel so sad. <laughs> this episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Indeed. Go to Indeed.com/mpu and join more than three million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. When you're hiring, you're supposed to leave no stone unturned. Easy. Partner with one powerful stone turner. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, Assessments, and Virtual Interviews. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, Assessments, and Virtual Interviews. If you hate waiting, Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match their job description the moment they sponsor a job. And hiring all in one place is made so easy with features like virtual interviews which really saves you time. You can manage, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. And Indeed knows when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in their database matching your job description. So don't wait. Visit Indeed.com MPU to start hiring now. Just go to indeed.com slash MPU. Once again, that's indeed.com slash MPU. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing is not available for everyone. Do you need to hire? You need Indeed. Our thanks to Indeed for their support of the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. So let's talk a little bit about 
the Apple Watch and uh, and Maps. Again, you touched on navigation and the watch. If you have navigation running on your phone uh, or even in CarPlay, it will also throw it on the watch and it will vibrate. And if you have sounds on to make different sounds when it's time to turn left or time to turn right. Absolutely fantastic when being in a city on foot. Uh, I, I love it. I could I could do without it if I'm driving. Right. But on yeah. foot, it's 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 almost magical because if you know what the taps feel like. Or you can just discreetly look down at your watch, and like you said, not have, not have your phone out. It's it's very clever and subtle, and it's something that has been there since day one of the of the Apple Watch. You know, a lot of the Apple Watch has changed over time, but this has been there. And I I don't really search or do other stuff for the Apple Maps on my watch, but I love the navigation. Yeah, there's a lot more power to it than what I use it for. And it's just because the screen. I don't want to be like working on that screen on my map. The the bigger the screen, the better. Um, but you can, you know, put the destination in and set that all yourself. But for me, the trick is set it on your phone, put your phone in your pocket, and let the little uh, taps on your wrist move mm-hmm. you around. Yeah. Um, and that I do find that somewhat useful in the car as well. You know, sometimes because like, my car play is down in the dash and my hand is on the steering wheel in front of my face. So um, I can just slightly twist my wrist and it will say 2.3 miles turn left. And it's like, okay. And that way I'm able to check, you know, my next turn without taking my eyes off the road really at all. Yeah, that's fair. If you do open the maps app on the watch, you have this sort of main screen where you have search and your current location and then because it's connected to iCloud, right, everything syncs. So you have your favorites, you have any guides. It's like there's my Memphis barbecue guide. And then you have all the recents. And, you know, since we've been on the show, I've been poking around on the Mac. And so it shows me all the things I was looking at on the Mac most recently. So it is a full featured Maps app, but I'm with you. Like even using the digital crown and, and you know, trying not to touch the screen. And even on the Ultra, it's just not big enough for me, but it's cool that it's there. And, and I would imagine there are people who do use it, right? I mean, especially if you have a cellular version and you're doing a workout or a ride and, you know, you don't have your phone with you, like maps is an important thing to make the watch more independent. So I get why it's there. It's just not something that I tend to use very often. And like, if you get in a jam, you know, if you lose your phone and you can get directions you know, to your hotel or whatever. Um, I'm with you. It's good. It's there. I, I tried it out prepping for today's show and it, it works, but I just don't find myself wanting to go to it unless I actually really need it. Like I don't have any other option. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, like we said, the the taps on the wrist, the directions on your wrist, that is golden. And, and particularly in my case for walking, but I would think for cycling as well, it could be really useful. Oh yeah. Do you, uh, do you mount your phone on your bike? No, I don't. I've never found a mount that I really like, and so it's usually like in a in a pocket. Um, yeah, and that that's been fine. Um, but yeah, I do totally see the case that, especially if on cellular models, like I said, that it's there and and it needs to be full featured for the, for those uses. I just wonder how many people are are using it for that sort of thing. You should check out the Peak Design cases. Um, you know the guys who make the uh, the camera bags. Yeah, they have a, a phone case for the iPhone that's got like a 
it's like a little square indentation on the back of it. I've got one of them. I, I really like it. And then they make accessories for it. But it it is like way better than a magnet in terms of holding your device. And so you can get like a bicycle mount and just clip it into that thing and it is not going anywhere. Yeah, I should I should look at that because it would be nice to have it uh, not in my pocket. Yeah, and with the amount of times you crash, I think it'd almost be safer <laughs> bolted to the bike than like flying <laughs> off with your body, right? Maybe that I was thinking about that when you're talking about cycling instructions later. But can we have like a can we have a map that just shows all the places that Stephen has crashed wow. in the greater Memphis area? Wow. Personal <laughs> this attack. Is where, this is where I lost my my first iPhone. This is where I lost my Apple Watch. <laughs> wow. No, I mean I, I would think it is a warning. Like, you know, this is Stephen's had three crashes on this street. I gotta be careful when I ride down this street. Ooh, uh, how often do you crash? Not very often. Yeah. I've just told it every time. I need to quit telling people. And then Yeah. People well, I, feel I crashed recently. I crashed. I had a we had a scooter here. Um a borrowed scooter and I'm like, "Oh, I'll take it to the barbershop." And I just wiped out. If if there was video of this, it would get a million views on YouTube. It was so, it's such an ugly crash. <laughs> but uh but I rolled with it. Yeah. You got to just get up and keep going. Found my phone like 10 feet away. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing broke though, so I'm okay. That's good. That's good. And I realized that I'm a biker, not a scooter person. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing I realized on that that trip. Yeah, I've crashed a scooter or two in my day and a bike. I just feel like it's just too easy. The wheels are too small, you know, too easy to crash those things. Uh, Apple Maps alternatives. We've been talking about Google Google Maps off and on throughout the show. And I know some people are very passionate about their preference for Google Maps. And this show was not intended to threaten you in any way. I think it's cool if you like Google Maps. Uh, They, you know, Apple has given them the keys to the kingdom. You know, you can run your Google Maps in your car. Um, They, uh, you know, it runs just fine on the screen. It, it, you know, all the stuff that you can do with navigation, whatnot, you can do with, with Google as well. I think in terms of like extra features, Google wins this race. There's just a lot more, I think, that you have in Google Maps that you don't have in Apple Maps. Yeah, I think one of the big ones, again, depending on where you are, is offline maps access. So with Google Maps, you can basically like draw a box <laughs> and say, download all this data locally, and you get a cache on your phone. So if you're offline, it can still do everything. And then it sends you a notification that it's time to update them. I think it's after 30 days or something. Uh, That is a nice feature. And especially if you're out someplace rural where you may not have sailor service, that may be a really big deal to you. And if if it is, then yeah, Google wins. Yeah, honestly, Apple should have that feature. I, I can't think of a reason why except they just haven't got to it yet i mean the idea of keeping the stuff on your device especially with as big as some of these phones are now why not yeah i i agree uh apple will download your route so if you're driving from here to a city three hours away it will bring uh that down locally so if you drop offline it still knows where you are but there's no visibility into that whatsoever. You can't control it. You can't see how much data it's taking up. Like it just is something that happens in the background. And I kind of get it from Apple's perspective, right? Like managing offline maps is messy. And how do you 
make sure it's always up to date and all that stuff. But I feel like uh, this is a big enough need in a lot of parts of the country, let alone world that I, I just, I wish Apple had it and I hope that they add it because it can be genuinely useful in a lot of situations. Yeah. Something I missed earlier in the outline was location cards. Um, when talking about Apple maps, uh, and you pick a location, you know, your favorite pizza joint or whatever, it gives you location data with reviews, photographs taken there, hours of operation, you know, just kind of the stuff you need to know about a place before you go there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Google does location cards too. Theirs have more data, you know, it's, it's more googly, right? Yeah. I mean, like Apple maps will tell you that they're open from 10 AM to 10 PM. Google will tell you that they're open that long and they'll give you a graph showing you when it's the busiest. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's Google stuff that they do that I don't think Apple will ever do. And if you know, you need that kind of data, then, you know, go to Google maps. Uh, there's, there's obviously a privacy angle to using Google stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can go read the privacy policies of these two things and it's, it's hard to understand <laughs> what they are, yeah. uh, written by lawyers for lawyers. But, uh, you know, generally, Apple takes privacy pretty seriously, and Google's willing to make some more trade-offs there. I will say both systems allow you to clear your Maps history. Google Maps has an incognito mode where it's not tying that stuff to your Google account. Uh, so, again, just depending on your personal values and where you land on this, you may think, gosh, I would never use Google Maps because of this. Some people aren't bothered by it. Um, this kind of depends on where you land. Uh, where you land on that spectrum. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a common refrain of our show and people who talk about technology is, you know, Apple makes its money selling you expensive hardware and Google makes its money selling advertisements <laughs> pointed at you. So they have different needs, you know, and I, I don't think either business plan is necessarily evil, but you, as a customer, you need to know, or as a product, you need to know where you fit in that. And so long as you do it knowingly, you're good. Uh, mm-hmm. But there are some issues there. Um, uh, another alternative that I, I heard from friends, and this used to be a very popular one with Daisy, was Waze, yeah. which is now a Google product. Google bought them, if memory serves, several years ago. But yes. it started out as a third-party mapping app. And its big selling point was that the, the routing data was more up-to-date, active community, you know, picking, helping, finding you around traffic and uh, more accurate ETAs. And that was the reason people used Waze uh, years ago. Uh, so I've been running experiments, and I don't find Waze any better than Apple Maps at this point. And uh, I find its like user interface far inferior. I don't like the way it renders things. Um, my wife was a big Waze user until a couple of years ago, and she just eventually, I think when she started like embracing CarPlay, she just started using Apple Maps. And I was asking her about it. I'm like, well, how come you don't do Waze anymore? She's like, because Apple Maps is always right with its its routing and its 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 uh, ETAs. She's mm-hmm. like, it does, it's just as good as Waze was for me, so I don't feel like I need it. And um, that's kind of the impression I get. Uh, if you're not happy with Google Maps and Apple Maps, Waze, I think is a is a good one. Yeah, I, I know people who absolutely swear by it, and if it kind of fits with how you want to navigate then go for it um I, it never clicked with me really but and I, I know people who are just die hard ways users and and won't won't use anything else for navigation 
I found in researching for today's show uh, another service called What Three Words. Are you familiar with this? Uh, no, I had not come across this before uh, before you put in the outline. Yeah, I am really fascinated by it. It is a geocoding system that um, breaks things down to, I think it's like a three meter uh, square. So that's 9.8 feet. Um, and it uh, and it gives every 10 square feet of the planet a three-word code, right? And uh, I don't know that I have any use for this, but people were talking about using this as a mapping system. And where, so like they have a three word unique code for every 10 square feet of the planet. And you go in there and you say, well, my house is at, you know, pumpkin, you know, banana, you know, apple, you know, just to make up three words. And anybody that you give that to can plug into the what three words system. And they've got a website, what three words. And the three is the number three. So what numeral three words.com. And it, it will get you there. <laughs> and it's a way to break the, so all you have to do is remember your three words. So if you want to give someone directions, you say, you know, go to pumpkin, banana, apple, and that's my driveway. And it just saves you all the hassle, right. Of like trying to give someone the address and the zip code and everything. I just thought it was kind of interesting. And I got thinking, well, wouldn't it be cool if Apple like licensed this into Apple maps where you could just tell somebody, Hey, you know, go to pumpkin, banana, apple. And, and I'll meet you there, you know? That's <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'm playing with it yeah. now. V- very interesting take. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a completely different way to handle handle things, you know? But, you know, if you know your three words for your house, it can tell you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my I'm not going to give you guys my three words, but they're super bizarre. <laughs> my, I looked at my address, mine also. Very strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little disturbing, frankly, but you know, there you go. Yeah. So, so there are lots of alternatives out there. And I think what we said at the beginning, uh, I want to repeat here that if you gave Apple Maps a try five years ago and didn't work for you, uh, and you are curious about it, I would give it another try. I did this about a year ago. I was pretty diehard Google Maps user. And sometime in the beta last year, I thought, you know, I should really try Apple Maps again because I kind of written it off like a lot of people did, and maybe rightfully so. And I've pretty much stuck with it. There are times where I will use Google Maps. Uh, if we're navigating out in a rural area, I will at least verify with Google Maps that Apple is is correct. But uh, most of the time, I'm using Apple's. And it's been, it's been really good for me. And again, totally depending on where you are and your needs are. But if you've written it off, I think it's worth another shot because Apple is working continuously to make the data better. And every year there are new features in the apps, like the guides or the multi route, uh, or the multi stop routing, all of those sorts of things. They are not content with letting it just sit on the vine. They are working really hard on it, and. That is something that, you know, I'm excited about. So many things Apple does, we've talked about it on the show, kind of don't get touched for a while. And they come back around two or three years later and and tweak it. You know, see iPad multitasking, see other things. But Apple Maps, I think, is on the list for things that really do get attention every year. And yeah, I'd encourage you to to go check it out because they've made some remarkable progress. 
This episode of MPU is brought to you by Clean My Mac X. Make sure you can trust your Mac. It's a crucial tool for work, education, and life. MacPaw is on a mission to help machines help you, which is why they developed Clean My Mac X, an ideal decluttering app for the Mac that can help keep your machine in tip-top shape. Clean My Mac X includes 49 tools to find and delete invisible computer junk. It helps to tune up your Mac so it runs at maximum speed. You can use it to organize disk space, find large hidden folders, so you can free up tons of space so your Mac never runs into issues with storage again. It has tools for fighting and finding Mac-specific malware and adware, protecting your computer, and it prevents macOS from cluttering, lagging, and slowing down. Clean My Mac X has an all-new menu bar app to help take care of your Mac's health from anywhere on the system. It has six detailed monitors that provide useful information about storage, state of protection, CPU performance, RAM, battery, and network speeds. Clean My Mac X is notarized by Apple and is available in the Mac App Store, so it's been checked for security by Apple. And it really is a beautiful application. Last year, it won the Red Dot Award, UX Design Award, and has become a Webby Award nominee as well. Get Clean My Mac X today with 5% off at macpaw.app slash mpu. This discount is only valid for two weeks, so go check it out today. macpaw.app slash mpu for 5% off. Despite the war at MacPaw's home country of Ukraine, the team has worked hard to ensure there are no disruptions in the support and develop of Clean My Mac X. The product is stable, safe, and secure. Our thanks to Clean My Mac X for their support of the show. So, Stephen, what do you think is missing from Apple Maps now that we've kind of gone through it? Um, you know, what could Apple improve? I mean, you were just talking at the end of the last segment, how every year we get improvements. I suspect they've got a big whiteboard and they're just kind of working their way down the list. And mm-hmm. whatever happens to be ready each year is what they announce at WWDC. But I feel like this is an ongoing you know, system and there's a lot more to, to add. And uh, where do you think the weak points are? I think the the biggest one is a lack of a web interface for Apple Maps. They really want you in their applications. So if you're an iPhone user using a PC at work, uh, really the only way to do it is to use DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo, their mapping is Apple Maps. And so you can you can go and search and do all those things. I'm going to have a link in the show notes to Star Wars Galaxy Edge on uh, DuckDuckGo. So you can see how it looks. But maps.apple.com is like a promo page for the service, right? It's it's not really anywhere on the web except for DuckDuckGo. Now, developers can embed Apple Maps in applications, and you can embed Apple Maps on your website now. But, you know, it's pretty sweet having Google Maps just in the browser, right? There's something really pretty handy about that. And it just syncs with your account. And I'd like to see Apple take that on because I think it would open it up to more users, right? I mean, how, I mean, statistically, there's a lot of people with iPhones and PCs. And it would make this all that more attractive to them if they could use it on their desktop too. Yeah, see, I feel like the, well, that that's an excellent one. and uh, But to me, I want to see Apple take way more advantage of artificial intelligence you know, the closed AI system of the iPhone, you know, the fact that Apple doesn't put your data on their servers and or anonymizes it, 
um, you know, would seem to be a limitation. But when you think about it in terms of maps, if you can build a logic into the devices and know that the device has basically unlimited knowledge about where you travel and what you do, I feel like it could be way more intuitive and way better. I mean, we talked about search earlier, and that's obviously a candidate for fixing some problems based on knowledge of the user, but just like so much more could be done with that. And uh, I would love, like maybe it says, you know, Dave, you always go to Thai food restaurants, you know, you're always searching Thai food restaurants. Here's some new ones that you may want to check out, you know, or doing really well, or, you know, just, I just feel like there's a lot more that it could do with all that data. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we always say Apple suffers from not having as much data as Google, but they could turn it into a benefit with the way maps works. And I would love to see them embrace that. And I just, it seems like that's not even on their radar. Yeah. I think Apple is careful to expose that sort of thing because they don't want to come off, come off as creepy, but it does know a lot about you. And having it be smarter about some of that stuff would be, would be really nice. Um, yeah. And I don't mind the phone knowing a lot about me. So long yeah. as they're not like putting on their server. So, um, you know, make it smarter for me. Um, mm-hmm. We talked about offline maps. I mean, that is such low hanging fruit at this point. I think yeah. that's something they need to do. Um, yeah. Another, there, there are, there's definitely room for improvement. Another thing for me is the community content. So both in Apple Maps and Google Maps, like you can upload photos of a location. Uh, you can, in Google Maps, you can review things in Google search and they show up in Maps. Uh, Apple Maps pulls a lot of that stuff from third parties like Yelp or TripAdvisor. Uh, you can rate places on your own and it kind of goes into that. But there's just way more of that stuff on Google. And in a way, that's not something Apple can really fix easily because the user base for Google Maps is way bigger than Apple Maps. So you have more people and more places using it, right? It's how you get the stuff like you mentioned earlier. Oh, this restaurant's really busy between this hour and this hour, but at 2 p.m. it's there's no one there. So that's when you want to go. But I would like Apple to continue to work on making that sort of community content better and more useful. Because I, I find it really actually pretty useful if you're trying to decide some place to go. Like, you know, like every website has like the best pictures of their place, right? But if I can see a bunch of pictures that people uploaded, it's like, oh, this actually isn't as nice as, <laughs> as it yeah. seems, right? And that stuff's important. And Google just totally crushes Apple in that. Again, it's a user-based problem. But I think there are things Apple could do to surface that stuff better and make it easier for individuals who are using Apple Maps to leave that feedback and to to aggregate all that stuff up. Google just smokes them there. Yeah, well, I think just Google has such an advantage with user base across the board, right? I mean, one of the reasons Google Search is so good is because so many people are using Google Search, you know, and it gives them such a database to work from that, competitors you know like microsoft has a lot of money and they really went hard at bing but they still can't match google because google gets so much data from its own users you know they know what the popular terms are more than bing you know and the smaller uh, you know web searches are, are struggle even more and it, the same thing applies to maps and any other data centric process and uh, google is always going to win on those grounds and uh, so that's just something to be aware of i guess 
Either way, uh, this was a fun show. I learned a ton. You know, like I'm going to be using groups more. I had put a couple together. I got some cool tricks I use with Apple Maps on my Mac now that I wasn't doing before. And uh, I want to I want to put more in thought into Apple Maps and automation because I feel like uh, there are triggers there and maybe we can do more with it. But uh, I don't know about you, Stephen, but I learned a ton this week. Yeah, there, there's so many features in this application. I mean, the guides thing is something I'd basically just not really paid much attention to, but being able to make your own and share them is so cool. It's just really nice to to dig into this, right? Apple Maps is a very full-featured application. There's a lot of stuff there, but I think Apple's done a good job at at balancing it all out and making it as easy to use as possible, and I'm really impressed with how far they've come. I mean, that's really my overall feeling here is Apple is taking this very seriously. Yeah. And I'm not so hung up on Google privacy that I wouldn't use it as a matter of principle. I just prefer Apple maps, you know, and, and it, it gets me where I need to be granted. I'm in California. So I'm mm-hmm. probably under ideal circumstances, but I prefer it. And, and like we've been pitching throughout the show, if you haven't tried it, you should. And now that we've spent all this time talking about how great it is and more power users, we're just going to rip off the bandaid and talk about that launch. Sounds good to me. All right, we are the Mac Power Users. You can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU. We want to thank our sponsors today, 1Password, Security Spy, Indeed, and Clean My Mac X. And we'll see you next time.